You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Welcome back to Hawk Talk. It is the time of year where if you're a sports fan and you're a college sports fan, this is the time. Eddie Acapinti, Greg Viscomi, your normal crew taking you through this episode of Hawk Talk. Greg, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I mean, wild wild couple last week since we last talked in Monmouth Athletics. A couple big-time wins, uh, a couple big games coming up. Um, it is a fun time to be a student-athlete, administrator, alumni, fan, student at Monmouth Athletics. I feel like the everyday person, like the Super Bowl ends, and now to them, it's college basketball season, right? And then most people have that short attention span of, all right, through March. But what you miss, typically the college calendar is so far ahead of everyone else on the professional side, is you're missing the start of the spring, like Greg and I talked about. We had Shannon Salzberg on last week. We'll talk about what that, what her softball team is doing. But you, you can't start anything this week talking anything Monmouth Athletics related and not go back to the most dominant program that the school has, and it's the track and field team. And they this past week, the men and the women sweep the indoor championships in their last year in the MAC. That had to feel amazing for Coach Nelson and those student athletes. Yeah, definitely. And and I think we've grown to almost expect it, which is unfair. It's unfair to the coaching staff. It's unfair to the student athletes. But we know the type of student athletes that they're bringing in and the dedication they have and, and kind of what they've done. And obviously the moving to the CAA, especially with North Carolina A&T in the mix, will be a whole new like realm. But it was so important, I think, <clears throat> to them and the excuse me, and the rest of the 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 university athletic department, university alums, everything, to go out with this last indoor championship and say, hey, we are champions. Just to let you know, we've been the champions. We're gonna win this thing again. And now they they you know cruising outdoor. I mean, they have some you know ECACs and all that other kind of qualifying stuff. But um, kind of sets them up for a really good outdoor season. And it rolls right into outdoor. So the, those indoor titles count towards the you know the in quotes winter season. But once track starts, it's the spring, especially the spring semester. They have outdoor championships coming up. Uh, this you know. Now go around, they'll get outside a little bit, but just dominating performances, a, a couple of student athletes winning, you know, those major awards at yeah. the track meets. Um, and, and it was hard to follow along and not see, you know, that the mentions in the MU Hawks track and field and cross country account must have been blowing up because the Mac was tagging everyone who got a medal and Monmouth had a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, the the two four by eight relay teams set new meet records at the max like that what greater day could you possibly have than to go out and set a record on your in the last time you'll be competing in an event i mean that's got to be amazing an event i mean the mac championships not the four by 800 um so so for both of those teams to go out and break mac records i think is just outstanding on top of the teams you know the two teams combined for nine gold medals over the two days and sit set 16 new all-time top tens that's at a championship meet yep you know, and I think that's like, that's the most thing that's kind of like, it's what sets those sports, swimming really in track and field apart from everything else is where, you know, in a championship setting, you're just hoping to get a win, right? Like you go out and you, you play a team in a basketball championship game. Like you're not worried about who's setting records or whatever. You're just trying to, just trying to get a dub. You can set records as, as we'll kind of talk about in a future, in a little bit here, you can set records in a non-conference game early on against maybe a weaker opponent. Um, but to go out there and do it in a championship setting, that really means like you're in your peak performance, you're doing your best. Like it's just it's a whole nother aspect of uh, of the sport, and I really it's it's really fascinating to me. Yeah, and being at your best on the biggest stage in your respective sport, now you start getting into the conversation of you know that's what greatness is, and it really is. And it doesn't matter if it's an individual sport, a team sport. When you're at your best on the biggest stage, or really in whatever profession you're doing, that's truly remarkable. So obviously, a huge, huge credit go out to Coach Nelson, his coaching staff, the student athletes. Um, just another dominating effort, and they'll try to do it again in the outdoor season in, in just a couple of weeks. And we'll definitely be hearing from somebody from that program to talk about that before before that happens. Um, kind of wish we had more time during the week to get more people on, but uh, we don't. So 
uh, we will definitely have a member of the track and field uh, unit, whether it's Coach Nelson or one of his fantastic student athletes on, to kind of talk about uh, this program and, and what it means to be a Mammoth Hawk track or field athlete. I guess that's kind of a teaser, but it's not because you just like, it, but but it is. It's yeah, for, foreshadowing. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. We'll do that. Last week, our guest on Hawk Talk was Shannon Salzberg, the Mammoth softball head coach. Uh, this past week, she told you last week how competitive the weekend was going to be down in Florida, and it was a very competitive weekend for the softball program. And they went down, by the way, and they uh, got a win, oh, by the way, against just a team from the ACC in the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. And Shannon told us how impressive the young players were going to be on this group, well, they went out and they got a great performance from one of those young players and, and a freshman, Billy Kerwood. A complete game shutout, four strikeouts, only gave up three hits and a 2 nothing win over the Tar Heels. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I think if you, if you talk to Coach Salzberg, she, she'd say that as exciting as that was, she's more upset that, that they dropped a couple games down there. But they dropped a couple games against good teams as well, you know, and it's the first weekend of the season. But uh, the thing that stands out to me, and I think will stand out to most people, is the 2 nothing win over North Carolina. I mean, ACC team, you got a freshman pitching. She absolutely deals, and, and you come out and you get a 2 nothing win. So I know they're not exactly where they want to be in the win-loss loss column, but I think there's plenty of, of momentum to build on, and they have another huge weekend this weekend. Uh, and, and that'll be really exciting as well. Extra base hits in that win for Julia Thor and Lindsey Barron, two names that you're used to hearing. They also have two hits apiece in that game. Uh, so that team rolling, and, and like you'll hear about when we bring on our guest today in Mammoth pitcher from the baseball team, Trey Dombrowski, uh, a theme in that conversation and a theme with the softball team, this road warrior life that they'll be living for these next few weeks. Uh, they head down to Conway, South Carolina. They're going down to where Coastal Carolina is this coming week for matchups with the Chanticleers and Maryland and Dartmouth and, and just a, a, a ton of games. They come fast and furious this time of year, getting them ready for the conference season. Yeah, absolutely. Trey will talk. Uh, a little bit about you know what it's like to be on a bus for twelve hours down to an area, or what it's like to be in a hotel and, and sleep in a hotel with a couple, you know, with roommates and all that kind of stuff. But I think what it really does and is really binds these teams together. It, it's a it's a growth experience. It's a us against the world experience. Um, and I, I think that I think that they come away from those games no matter what happens on the field tighter as a unit because they've spent five straight days with each other 24-7. So, going to be a cool tournament. I mean, Coastal Carolina, Maryland, a couple games against Dartmouth and uh, Central Michigan, which I didn't even know had softball, but I think a lot of the Mac schools do. They do, yeah. Um, so, going to be a good time for, for, for Coach Salzburg and then that crew and really looking, I'm sure, to build on that week one kind of momentum and uh, – we're going to keep our eyes peeled. She talked about that pitching staff, and I'm really excited to see them get going. It was great pitching and defense that keyed that win against the Tar Heels. It was tremendous attack that keyed the Monmouth women's lacrosse team's 21-2 win over Central Connecticut State this past weekend. I had to check to make sure that wasn't like a spring football score. I had to look twice <laughs> to see because you see 21, and that is a lot. I spoke to Jordan Troutman on our ESPN broadcast last week, and what Coach said to me sure looked to bear itself true with this win at home. Uh, just a dominating effort. Yeah, and I think that they're you know they lost nine seniors you know between uh, super seniors and COVID seniors and whatever seniors there were nine women who played on that team last spring that ended up not that are that are gone that have moved on to careers and starting their their careers and their lives uh so there was a lot of uncertainty there yeah there are some seniors and there are definitely some juniors that that have a lot of you know field experience but they lost a bulk of their scoring they lost some you know they they lost their starting goal you know goaltender and stephanie delatory uh how would how would that team respond and i think you know the overwhelming answer was like yes we're we're ready you know you had Dan, uh, you know you had a couple of young players stand you know stand up make some big plays two goaltenders played you know she split time i think in the cage between the goalkeepers and, and the defense obviously was very good when i think they had all you know eight shots on goal and they only scored on two of them and 
they were dominant in the circle on the draw. So it was just a, a really, really, really good way to open up the season uh, for that squad. Yeah, it's hard to look at a game like that and find any fault in what you're able to do. Young players scoring some of the impact transfers uh, that have come back to the area scoring as well. So uh, that's just a fantastic way to start the season. Uh, weird to play, right, home game in February. I guess that's the one spring sport that knows what it's like to play up here is both men's and women's across the men opened up at Princeton as well. Um, and, you know, it's cold. It's I mean, we've seen... Yeah, the, I, think, yeah. Well, I, I think two years ago maybe we played five games. Yeah, Coach Troutman's first year. In February. Three, we played five games at home in February, and I just kind of said... what. You know, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, and it's because nobody else wants to host a game in February. But uh, we're happy to give our, our players a home home field advantage. And uh, they certainly took, you know, took the most of it on Saturday or Sunday against uh, Central Connecticut. The baseball team was also away. We'll talk about that in just a minute because that'll be the kind of intro, the prelude to our guest, Trey Dombrowski, the great starting pitcher for Dean Ehalt's Monmouth team. But we quickly dive out of the spring, dive back into the winter basketball season Still a few weeks left before we get ready for the MAC tournament down in Atlantic City. That starts March 8th. It's a big week of home games coming up uh, for this Mammoth team. We ha- There's men's games, women's games. There's obviously so much happening here and seeding so important as both teams try to stay on, you know, above that five seed line. Um, and, you know, obviously, as you'll hear with Trey, he was a big basketball fan. He talked about it. Um, you know, some, some, unfinished business left for both of these teams these next few weeks before they kind of pack up and get ready for Atlantic City where they'll make runs at championships. Yeah, definitely. And, and we have some huge home games that, that we need people to come out and support this team beginning with tonight uh, against Siena. It's Tuesday night. Uh, Siena is, I think we talked about before, one game ahead of us in the standings. So yep. essentially Monmouth could pull into a tie for three with them. And this Hawks team, I think, can get all the way up to second on the men's side. Yep. Uh, it's going to be tough to overtake Iona with only two losses. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen. But the but the other two spots, I think, are up for grabs. And if we can play like a senior-leading team, which we are down the stretch, and get some good home court advantage, uh, I, you know, they can go all the way up as high as two. And uh, the women are, are hitting a little skid. I think, you know, they're kind of leveling out a little bit after shooting out of the cannon, and it's a long season. And once again this season, I know we harp on it, but the season's been kind of wild that – where you where you're playing three times in a week, maybe you know four times in nine days, crazy stuff like that, and that's a lot. It's a lot mentally. It's a lot physically. They also have to go to school, so you know the women's team. I think you know they'll be fine. Coach Bogus will get them kind of turned around, get a couple wins heading into tournaments. From what I've seen in this league, and it's probably true of any league, is it's the hottest team coming in, right? Last year Fairfield was the hottest team coming in on the men's side. You know, kind of knocked us off, went, made a run, got all the way to the championship game against Iona. So, you you, you know, this is the time to kind of turn on the Jets and, and become one of those streaking teams. Yeah, and you've started to see on both the men's and women's sides, teams start to separate themselves. Monmouth on the women's side is part of a, a, a quartet of teams separated by just a game and a half in the mix for those final two spots in the uh, quarterfinals, is in that 4-5 spot. So that's where you want to be. Um, but the last team that we had, haven't talked about is our feature team today, and it's the it's this Monmouth baseball program that for the second straight year has started three and one. They went down to North Carolina, had a great start to the year. Our guest today, Trey Dombrowski, Greg threw uh, six flawless innings against the Nittany Lions in a 10-1 win, and, and then Monmouth went out and, and had a great win over Nor- a Northeastern team that's very good in the CAA, which is kind of a little preview of things to come next year. Um, but we'll catch up with Trey. We'll get his thoughts on everything, but you know th- this baseball team had a great start to the year, and we look forward to following them throughout the year and getting Trey's thoughts. He was just a fantastic guest here on this episode of Hawk Talk. We're so excited to welcome our next guest here on Hawk Talk. And with the start of the spring sports underway here, even though it's February, we're trying to get all the listeners and all the fans kind of aware what's going on on campus. And with that, we are happy to welcome in uh, Mammoth Pitcher. And after the debut he had, we have a lot to talk about. But Trey Dombrowski joins us now. And Trey, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me on, guys. Definitely means a lot. And looking forward to the spring season. It's really exciting. 
It's so, it's so funny, you know, Greg and I have been here for so long and, you know, you've been obviously playing forever, but to get the viewers, to get the listeners, the fans of Mammoth Athletics realizing, you know, they're in the midst of basketball season right now, but, you know, how, how much in your life have you had to almost even battle telling relatives like, yeah, guys, our season starts in February. It's time to get rolling. Yeah, that's kind of always been the hard part. You know, um, like you said, it's always basketball season in the winter and then baseball season's in the spring. So growing up, I played basketball as a kid. So that's kind of what I did in the winter um, and then transitioned over to baseball. Um it was always a tough transition because I'm so competitive in a sense where I was like so in on basketball where baseball kind of took a back seat and then it was baseball season. So, you know, it is, it's a lot of fun and I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. In the season that this Monmouth baseball team has in front of it, obviously with the lofty preseason expectations, picked atop the MAC preseason poll, but already underway. But let's talk about that in a minute. You know, you come into the season after just a tremendous year last year, and this Monmouth team has been building for now a couple of years. And before we talk about MAC preseason polls and how the season started, which is phenomenal, one of the reasons Trey's here, what are your expectations not only for yourself but for this Monmouth baseball team this year? You know, that brings so much talent back from a team last year that made a great run of the MAC tournament yeah absolutely the expectations are really high um last year was a good season because a lot of kids got experience um we all got out there we were young we had a couple veteran guys which was really nice that we got to lean on for leadership and all that but this year was like all right we already got the experience it's time to go out and do this thing um you know we're all bought in I know that sounds cliche to an extent but this is kind of the one year where we have to go get it. Like we talked about before us last year in the MAC, um, and we want to go win it. You know, we want to make a regional. We haven't been there in a little while, so this is the year to do it, and we're all bought in, and we're all having a ton of fun. Most of the guys really know their roles, which is really nice. Um, and every, Like I said, everyone's bought in, and everyone's playing for each other. It's kind of like a brotherhood. You know, we're all really close, and we all have a ton of fun together. Like this past weekend – was unbelievable it was kind of like we got the sense like okay we can really do this thing since like last year we didn't play pre-conference we only played the mac so we didn't really get to size ourselves up against a big opponent i guess you can say or a bigger opponent so you know getting out there and just doing our thing was really fun and you brought up this weekend and you knew we were gonna we were gonna talk about it because it was huge but uh i want to talk about two different things about the weekend because the first thing is you go out and, and we wallop Penn State 10-1, and people are like, whoa, like it's a Big Ten team. And and I don't care what their record at the end of the year is. At the end of the day, they're, they're set up, their facilities, they're, everything they have is is still on a Big Ten level. And then here comes Monmouth, you know, walking in and not just beating them, but shellacking them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, it's a big – it's a Power 5 school, and you can't write them off because at the end of the year, like – it's still a power five school. Um, just getting out there and playing against them was really cool because like you said, they're a big opponent. That's a, usually a tough game for us and going out there just did our thing. You know, we were just like, you know what? We got to do us and we got to do what we really do best. And that's playing together and just having a ton of fun. And we did, we, we put together a really good game and the bats got us off early and they scored a ton of runs, which makes it easy for us pitchers. So it was a really good game, and it was a really good weekend in general, you know, facing a ton of teams that were really good. Um, Northeastern was considered a ranked team. They were close to the top 25, if not in it. So that was really good to, like I said, go out there and see what we were like against those bigger teams. So it was. It was a good experience, and like I said, we had a ton of fun just going out and playing baseball again. Um, feels like a long time coming at this part, but it's it was a lot of fun this weekend. So, so football coaches talk about the the scariest play of the season, by far, is the opening kickoff of the first game of the season because mm-hmm. you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. So you go out, you have the first pitch of the season. Mm-hmm. What what was your mindset like? Okay, I'm. I mean, listen, it's one of a thousands of pitches you're going to throw. But how important was it to go up there and get that first out and just get the season started against a Big Ten opponent on the road? Like, in a, you know, how important is that? And how do you get yourself, like, mentally prepared? Yeah, definitely. The the nerves were flying. I mean, it was definitely nerve-wracking a little bit. It's like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. But once you realize, like, look, every pitch is kind of the same, that's kind of the mindset I had to get in in the offseason was, like, 
it's not the first pitch that matters. It's the next pitch. Um, just going out there and the first inning, like I said, I was nervous. That's just how it is always first time of the year going up against a different opponent. So it was. But after that first pitch, it's just like this is the same old game, you know. It's a game I've always played for a while, and it's just let's go have fun. Go do what you do best is what our coach tells us, and that's what we did. And like I said, after that first pitch, it's just like this is the same old game. It's it's a ton of fun. So you get the ball game one, like Greg said. You didn't have to throw that many pitches, by the way, because through through uh, just an ideal six innings, you only threw fifty nine of them. But but getting the ball game one, what does that represent to you now? You know, getting ready for this year with so many expectations. Yeah, no, that's definitely huge for me. Um, it puts a lot of weight on my shoulders, which is really nice. Um, but it's not to kind of forget about the guys behind me. Right. I guess you can say because we got Dan Klepchik, who's unbelievable, freshman All American, and just produced every year out, and then we. Still have the Mac Pitcher of the Year and Rob Hensey. Like, people kind of forget about the pitching staff as a whole, I guess you can say. And we've got all three of those guys could have started on Friday, which is really cool that a lot of teams don't really have. Um, so that's why I would say it was really cool for me to get out there and just I wanted to win that first game is really all I wanted to do. And we got out there. The bats got going early, which was really nice. It takes a lot of pressure off of us, like I said, and – we just went out and, like you said, we crushed him, which was really nice. So the other part of the weekend I wanted to talk about was playing Northeastern. Won the CAA, I believe, last year. Um, you won't be here, but the rest of the team will when we when we join the CAA next year. How important was it to go out and, and at least split with them to say, okay, hey, yeah, this is what you're going to face next year. This is what Mammoth baseball is. And we know you're going to be the CAA champions. We're going to have to respect everybody in that league. Obviously, it's a good baseball league. But – you know, we took we took one of two from you playing you the first time. Like, how important was that? And did Coach E. Hall or anybody even mention that? Or is it just like, hey, this year is this year, and this is just another non-conference opponent that we got to face as we get ramped up for the MAC? Absolutely. It was kind of just like this is another opponent we have to face. And like you said, the Northeastern is no joke of a program. They're, uh, they're a very good program. And like you said, they won the CAA, made some noise in a regional. Like, you can't write that off. And we went out there, and we were just like – you know what, we believe we're in that group of teams. You know, we believe we can get to that group of teams. Um, and we just went out there and trusted what we did. You know, we hit the ball really well, pitched the ball uh, great as always. And like you said, the first game kind of slipped away from us, but it was even more important that the second game we came back and won. We showed them, like, look, we're not backing down. Because um, that's what we are. That's what our program is. We're not – going to back down from anything and we're going full steam ahead at teams which is really nice and like I said everyone kind of knows their role on the team so it's like guys aren't getting mad if they aren't playing which is really good because everyone is bought in and it's like this is the year to do it like you said it's our last year in the MAC, so we might as well just take the pre-conference as the pre-conference like let's go out there get some experience get some games under our belt and then go into MAC play with full steam. And before we kind of get more into you, a point you brought up that I'm curious on, in your college career, this year's unique because in your first year, the year gets shut down. Absolutely. Last year, there is no non-conference. So now that you get, I mean, goodness, it's amazing that it's your junior year and you're getting a full preseason and a full non-conference. Because you and some of your teammates haven't gone through it, are you falling back in old habits? Or is it almost new that you haven't been able to do it yet in college? Yeah, it is almost kind of new. And like when the freshmen ask us like, oh, what's it like pre-conference? Like we almost can't even answer it because we don't really know. We only got three weekends of it. So, you know, it is kind of new, which is really nice. Um but, like I said, it's still the same old game. We still stick to the same routine, and, you know, we have a lot of fun. But, like I said, it is new, which is really cool because this is something we've never really experienced. We've never had, I think it's six weeks of pre-conference. We've never had that. Um, so it is. It's really cool to kind of get the taste that this is going to be our full first full season and first time we're going to go through a whole season with pre-conference and then – transition over to conference so it is this is this year's really cool because we're having a lot of fun too speak to the student athletes now and the listeners who don't know what it's like to literally start a season and i know we're going to get into a whole bunch during our conversation with trey but right now the first scheduled home game is still over a month away so ha living that road life 
for as long as you have to. I know you're kind of used to it in quotes as a college baseball player, but again, like we just said, haven't really done it yet. So it, do you take on a different kind of mentality? I know you're so used to traveling and playing everywhere, but it's so unique in college that I don't think any other student athlete, with the exception maybe a softball player, can have that same experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a grind, to say the least. Um, you're going to be tired. You're going to want to sleep when you can't. Like, that's just, it's kind of like you have to embrace the, the road life, I guess you can say. Um, but on the road, it's kind of like a team bonding type of thing. Um on the bus for 12 hours going to carry was at first you're like, Oh, 12 hours going to carry. That's a while. But being around your teammates for that long, you don't really understand how cool it is. You really get to appreciate it after you're done with it. Um, like we just have so much fun with each other, which is really cool. And which is something that is unique about our team. We definitely like all pull for each other. We all have fun together and we, like I said, that bus ride was 12 hours, and it felt like 10 minutes because we were all talking to each other, having fun, playing games. So it is. It's It kind of makes it easy when everyone's bought in like that, everyone's close. Um, but it is. It's definitely tough, the road life, kind of switching from hotel to hotel, sleeping in hotels all the time. But like I said, you, you almost have to embrace it and be like, this is what we got, and you got to deal with the cards you're dealt. You alluded to it a little bit before, but, but how – close are are you and rob and dan and like i think anybody in the league would be really juiced to have every one of those guys starting on their staff but you guys are like a one two three like lineup that's like miserable to to to, to play against on a weekend or you know in a game if we need you depending on when it is um late in the year so you know what's it like with the with the relationship of those three guys it's really a relationship that like is unbelievable you know we're all so close and we all pull for each other so much that it's like it's easy to go out there and pitch because you know those guys behind you are still there. Um, but like I said, in practice too, it's really cool because those are two guys that are pretty damn good. Those guys are very good and it kind of pushes me to become a better pitcher. Um, I learn a ton from them. Like whether it be off the field, on the field, it's like – I learn something new from them every day and they are I like I can't even speak to it how important they are to me because they bring out a really good side of me they help me get better um and then off the field we're we're just kind of like three best friends I guess you can say we're always joking around with each other having fun um and we're just ourselves you know we're no one's really trying to put on a fake face I guess you can say out of us and we're all kind of unique in our own way but we're at the end of the day, we're we're really close, which is like you said, something you can't really break, which some teams don't really have. Um, but having us three is really nice, and especially those two guys. Like like I said, I can't even speak to it how awesome and important they are to me, and how much they mean to me. Um, it's a great, great, really great relationship we all have. How is that? You're a junior now. How have you kind of taken on that mentor role with the younger younger guys on the staff? Like, are you taking things that those guys have kind of taught to you and being like, oh, yeah, and then, like, putting your own spin on it and kind of bringing up the freshmen and even the sophomores? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely last year, my freshman year, I learned a lot from the older guys. Um, just the captains of the team really helped us kind of take that leap. Um, if you were to ask me this question two years ago, I'd be like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't, I know nothing, basically. I don't know anything. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely kind of just like going to summer ball. I learned a lot about what guys in a leadership role do, um, what guys don't do kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of have taught me just like to be myself, you know, don't be afraid to be unique in a way. Um, and that's what I've really embraced and kind of told the younger kids is just like, don't try and be someone you aren't because it's very hard to do that. Um, be unique. Like, it's okay to be different. Um, it's okay to be a different pitcher than me. Like, we're all different in a sense. And that's the cool thing about baseball is no pitcher is the same. Like, me, Klepp, and Henny, we're all different in a way. So that's why it's really cool, you know, just embracing the fact, like, it's okay to be a different pitcher than us. You don't have to be us. You don't have to try and be us. Just be the best version of yourself. Be the best pitcher you can be. So that's how it's been really cool. That season that you had last year with those teammates that you mentioned, and we know that the ultimate goal of any season here is to win a championship. 
But were you all able to, to maybe sometime over the summer, I know you were pretty busy in the summer, but were you all able to, to look back and see that the numbers and, and the historic kind of pace that that pitching staff was on, and by the way, ended in a great regular season and a great run in the postseason. But when you look back, I mean, just charting the week-to-week progress, it was the, the competition between the three of you must have been pretty intense because yeah. you're talking about NCAA leaders in a lot of categories. Yeah, so like, like you brought up, the competition between us was the best I've ever seen. But that's a really good thing in my eyes because it brings out a really good version of ourselves and helps us. It makes the games easy in a sense. It is no, a game's no different from practice for us. Um, but yeah, looking back on the season last year, we got the sense of like, okay, we can really do this thing. Um, we fell a little bit short in the conference tournament, but it gave us a taste of like, we're a, we're a powerhouse in this conference. Like we can go do it. Um, but we kind of just realized, like, look, you got to be, you got to go after it. You can't save, like Coach Thompson says to us, you can't save bullets kind of thing. Um, you got to go full steam ahead. And like you said, we have all the guys to do it. Um, the experience factor last year was really big because a lot of guys got experience. And then this year, kids are just stepping in like it's nothing. So that's why it's it's really cool because the experience kind of goes a long way. Um Fairfield last year had a ton of guys that were older. They were all seniors, fifth years, and it shows that the experience really does matter. Um, And that's why I believe we have a step ahead on some other teams because we're all kind of – we're juniors and seniors, so some of us are young in a sense, but we all have experience. We all played freshman or sophomore year where most teams don't really have that because they got the older kids playing. So that's why it's really cool that most guys have experience at a younger age. And then most guys end their season and they can take a breath. They can go to summer class. They can go to the beach. Well, Trey was pretty busy. You go right to the Cape Cod League. And obviously everyone knows the prestige around that and the the, the professional players that have come out of that. And you go and you're named the most outstanding pitcher in Cape Cod, which first of all, congratulations Thank on that. You. Thank uh, you. What did awesome. you learn personally? How did you personally, in your opinion, improve going to Cape Cod and facing that kind of competition day in and day out? Yeah, so I definitely learned what type of person and pitcher I am, kind of who I am as a person. Um, going up there, at first I was like, holy crap, this is this is going to be scary. I'm playing kids <laughs> from Vanderbilt, Texas, Texas A&M, like all these huge schools that are, like you said, prestigious in the baseball world. Um but, yeah, going up there was definitely really, really exciting for me. Um, like you said, I did learn a lot. Um, one of the things was I learned that don't be a pitcher you aren't. Um, that's kind of what the pitching coach told me. He's like, go be who you are. Don't be who you aren't, in a sense. Um, and for me, that was just a guy that relies on velocity. Not velocity, relies on his command to get guys out. Um Whereas last year, at some points, I was kind of trying to throw way too hard in a sense, and that kind of got me out of my rhythm. Uh, But yeah, going up there, just being around the kids that are at the bigger schools, um, getting to see what their experience is like, what they do to be successful, what they do on off days, what's their routine, basically. And I talked to the catcher, and I was like, Hey, uh, what what are some kind of points you have to be successful up here? What what do you think I should do? And he grabbed me aside and he's like, you know, go be who you are. You know, don't try and do things you can't do because it's not going to end well. Um, be confident in what you do is another big thing, and that's kind of what I took away from it was just like, don't try and put on a front. Um, be true to who you really are as a person and a player because. If you deviate from that, it's going to be hard, you know. Um, But, yeah, it was cool to be around those kids that are going to be top-tier MLB picks, that are going to play in the MLB someday. So it was really, really cool, and I I could write a thousand-page book on it is how I say. (laughs) Like, every experience I had up there, I wish I could relive it. Um, It was just unbelievable. But I always say at the end of the day, if they had a Cape Cod League on the Jersey Shore – they just switched it, the Jersey Shore would be so much better. Um, but, yeah, Cape Cod's really unique in a way, and I did. I really am thankful for the experience up there and thankful that they let me go up there. But, like I said, my host family really made it easy on me. Um, 
I lived with eight other guys. So it was like going there was no different than playing here. Um, and that's why it made it easy for me. It was just like, all right, this is baseball at the end of the day. Everyone's putting on, everyone's playing on the same field. No one's at an advantage over us. And that's kind of where I took the next step was like, everyone's playing the same game. No one's playing at an advantage. And that's where I took a big step. And I'm, like I said, I'm really thankful for the experience up there and just going to play baseball over the summer. Are there guys up there that obviously you'll continue to talk to and like, have you followed each other, like each other, like in the early parts of the non-conference schedule here, like hit them up on text or whatever? Yes, absolutely. I still stay in touch with all my roommates that I lived with. Um, and pretty much the whole team I stay in touch with, which it was cool. It was kind of like my home away from home in a sense. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really cool following along with those guys because like I said, they're, they're pretty good baseball players at the end of the day. Like they're no joke. Um, so it is cool to see guys at their school really succeeding. And before the season, like we all talk to each other and we're all like, this is going to be a ton of fun. Just following along, seeing all the success guys have. Um, and that's why I really liked it was I got to develop relationships that really are going to last a lifetime. Um, even though I got to spend two months with them, I did develop a really good relationship with all of them. And like I said, it's been really cool to follow along so far. Um, and I can't wait to see what else comes along uh, later in the season. Yeah. When we look at the the roster that Monmouth has, and one of the things that, that I'm so curious to get your take on is all of the, and I think Greg and I talk about it as a, almost a theme with a lot of the, the coaches here. There's so much, you mentioned if the Cape Cod League was on the Jersey Shore, how great it would be. Well, the Jersey Shore is home, and, and we're biased, so we can say it. It's home to the best baseball in the state of New Jersey. And the roster has so many talented Shore Conference players on it. Is there, we talk about it, but is there conversation among the players? Is there a pride in the Shore Conference? Is there a pride in being local and staying in this area and coming to Monmouth and trying to make it you know, the best program it can be? Absolutely. Um, like you said, in high school, we all went against each other, and now we're all playing together against a different opponent. So it's really cool. Um, but we always say on the team, we're the group of guys from the Shore Conference is the best group because the Shore Conference is the best, we say. Um, <laughs> and it's so funny going up against the guys from PA. They're like, oh, no, we have the best baseball. And we always say, no, the Shore Conference has the best baseball. Like, you don't realize it until you get to play in it. Um, but, yeah, we do believe that the Shore Conference has unbelievable baseball. Um, and the good thing about playing in that is it sets us up for success coming to college. Um, it's just like the game's no different than the Shore Conference. So it is. It's really cool, and they gave us a really good experience. They gave us a good group of guys, or a great group of guys, I want to say. Um, but, yeah, it did set us up for playing baseball at – a higher level, but it's no different. It's the same old game we always played as kids, and we're having a ton of fun. Talk about playing with other Shore Conference guys, and uh, you know you got to play a couple of years with your brother, uh, another pitcher. How how awesome was that experience to be able to play collegiate baseball and, and be there and support with your older brother? And yeah, that so kind of deal? it was really cool. Um, growing up, I personally never got the opportunity to play with my brother because we were that age difference where it was like. We just couldn't. It wouldn't work out. Um, that's kind of what drew me to Monmouth, to be honest, was my older brother playing here and the experience he got. Um, but I never really appreciated it until it was over. Um, I didn't understand it, really. Um, but, yeah, playing with him was really cool. You know, we're always – it's always like growing up, your brother and you are like enemies, it kind of seems like. And now – He's really my biggest supporter and my parents. Like, it's really cool just him being a part of the journey. Um, and it's cool. He's always texting me every day, asking how I'm doing. So I would say playing with him helped us develop a really good relationship, um, a closer relationship. Uh, so I'm really thankful for it because he kind of always supports me and it makes it easy on me, you know. It doesn't force me to do anything I can't do. Uh, it forces me to just go out and be myself. And like you said, not a lot of people get that opportunity to play with their brother. So I'm forever thankful for it. I wish he could still be here without a doubt. Cause that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I wish I could get it back in a sense because of how awesome it was, but 
at the end of the day, I, I'm forever thankful for it. So you get to play with your brother, which is awesome, but you also get to play with someone who maybe has the best baseball rivalry in the short conference against. Do you and James Armstead ever, is there ever any <laughs> back and forth about the Manasquan well, Wall rivalry? Wall. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, it's actually weird. There's not really a okay. kind of dynamic. The where, towns have more yeah, rivalry towns yeah, like than the players. Exactly. Um, I think the thing is we kind of embraced that we're on the same team now. Um, like you said, Manasquan and Wall going up against each other. Like you're always like, oh, those are rivals. But the funny thing was we never really played them in high school in baseball, which was interesting. We probably played them two or three times. So it wasn't like we played them every year. Uh, but, yeah, the rivalry between Manasquan and Wall is, is still there for, in fact, it is there. But now that me and James are on the same team, it's it's really cool that we've kind of molded together and we've really embraced being teammates, whereas some people would be like, I wonder what that's like. Um, but yeah, it is. It's really cool getting to play with him and the other short conference guys, because like I said, it was always like, oh, we're going up against them. We got to beat them. Now it's like, all right, we're on the same team. We got to beat someone else. So it's like, it's pretty cool to get that dynamic. It's like a made for a movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always curious to get the player's perspective, you know, because I feel yeah. like, you know, those of us that cover games or those of us that live locally maybe have a certain perspective, but unless you're in the locker rooms, right, unless you're going head-to-head, I think you don't really have, you know, the true, really, you know, story that's going on. That's, that's interesting. Absolutely. When we when we talk to a lot of these guys, like we talked to Marcus McLaren, he talked about him and George Pappas playing. I think it's like you play against those people so often in some cases that you end up growing like a great respect for them. And then now that you're like, man, this dude can ball, or this guy can pitch or he can block or whatever. And now he's next to me. And now we're doing it together against other groups of essentially, I mean, that's what college is like. It's an all-star team, right? Every, every step of the day, every step of the way you move up the ladder, it's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. So absolutely. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And like you said, it's kind of like I did develop a respect for him. Uh, he was if not the best hitter, one of the best hitters in the short conference. So it's like, this dude is no joke. He is one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Uh, just his ability to kind of turn on pitches that you're like, how the hell did he just hit that? Like, that's how I see it. But it's the, uh, like you said, the respect that I've developed for him is unbelievable. And like you said, now it's like, all right, you're such an asset to our team that it's like, all right, let's mold together and let's do this thing. One of the things you mentioned before was control. And I think, and I'm not a huge baseball knowledge guy. Anybody in this department can tell you that. But I think that the number one thing in control is like walked batters, right? All of last year, you had eight walked batters. How much pride do you take in that? So, yeah. Batters walked. Yeah. Like I said, that's kind of who I am. I'm a guy that's not really going to walk guys. Um, And that's how I've always been from when I was little. Like just throw strikes. Don't, don't give them free passes is the type of thing we like to say. Um, but I do take a lot of pride in that because that's who I am as a pitcher. Um, and that's kind of what I figured out is like, look, I'm just going to make them put the ball in play. You're not getting free passes off of me. And that's kind of what I've taken a lot of pride in is throwing a ton of strikes, giving my team the best shot to win. Um, and like you said, it's that's who I am as a pitcher is a guy that's going to limit limit your walks. So it, it is really cool because I feel like that's what makes me unique in a sense. And that's what makes me set separates me from different guys. I guess you can say how much faith do you have to have in, in the eight guys? Well, seven guys standing behind you to, to know like, all right, I'm going to put this ball in play and they're going to get contact on it. But I got seven dudes back here who are going to make the plays, make the throws, make the catches. Absolutely. And the guys we have behind us are unbelievable. I can't even speak to like the amount of respect I have for them, how much they put their body on the line, how much they're kind of going all like they're giving all their effort. Um, and they make it easy on us. Whereas in some cases it's like, oh, I don't want this guy to hit it because I'm scared of the fielders making an error. Whereas here it's like, I want them to put the ball in play because I know those guys behind me are making the play no matter what. It makes it easy on us. Um, like I said, it's easy to go about pitching with those guys behind you. Um, it makes it easier to just go out and do your thing. And if guys hit the ball, look, so be it. They're going to get an out for you, which is really cool. Take us through the moment 
when you, I mean, if you're listening, you can't see, but if you watch the games, you know, Trey's all a six foot five. And, and at what moment did, did it happen in high school? Was it before that, that you kind of, you know, the, the physicality of your game, right. Matched the skill of your game as well. Obviously being a great control pitcher, being somebody who can throw strikes, having great velocity, but you know, at what point did you kind of that match up? And then also maybe in the back of your mind go, you know what? I think this baseball thing's something I'm going to do for a long time. Yeah. So it's funny growing up, I was always a basketball guy just because my mom's father played in the NBA for the Rochester Royals. So basketball was always in my blood. That's all we did growing up. Uh, and then about my sophomore, junior year, I hit a little growth spurt where I was probably six foot and I got to six three, six four, Um, And that's kind of where it flipped for me was like I gained some velocity. I started to pick up pitching a lot more. Um, and I started to get looked at by colleges. So that's kind of where it flipped for me was like this baseball thing is something I'm taking pride in because I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, and that's kind of, like I said, where it flipped for me because I was like, I can do this thing because I was getting the exposure I needed. Um, and I had a good junior year in high school. So that kind of, like I said, gave me the confidence for the summer for travel ball to just be like, all right, we can really do this thing. And then, like I said, the people around me make it easy. Uh, the support staff I have, my family, friends, whoever it is, um, they make it easy for me to just be like, all right, go be yourself. Don't try and be someone you're not. Um, and that's something I've had for a long time, which is good. And baseball was, like I said, something that started to come easy for me my junior year where I was like, I was figuring stuff about what type of pitcher I was, what I needed to do to become a better pitcher. And I had a huge love for the game. I guess you can say, and that's kind of where it flipped for me. It was my junior year of high school. And then your brother's already here, but what were the other factors that brought you to Monmouth? Someone who isn't just happy being a college baseball player, but someone who has aspirations to make it a career and a lifelong career at that. What were those things that brought you to Monmouth? Absolutely. So definitely being close to home was really cool. So my parents could watch our games. Like last year they would come into one game and they'd get the opportunity to either see me or my brother, which was really cool. Um, and then definitely just coming here and having the opportunity to play right away. Um, not having to sit for a couple of years and getting the experience of being a Division One baseball player right away, which is something I wanted to do because it would allow me to become a better pitcher, um, allow me to make an impact right away. And that's kind of what I've always took, in, took pride in was, like, the pitchers here have always been very good. Brad Brock, Pat Light, like, there's no shortage of, shortage of pitchers here. Um, the pitchers have always gotten better here. So it's definitely something that draw – drew my attention was like you have the ability to go and develop get the experience and go do this thing is the type of kind of why it drew me here so you mentioned pat light and you mentioned brad brock they have two things in common <laughs> they played mom with their baseball and then they went on to pitch in the mlb obviously everybody knows that that you're a guy who's projected anywhere you know top three rounds type of deal come out to a start at the ballpark here and there's anywhere between three and ten guys with radar guns. Yeah, they're not there. here to see Greg and I. Yeah, yeah, no, I walk past and the guy's like, oh, one mile an hour, that guy's strong. <laughs> um, but seriously, how, how do you block all that out? I mean, it, it, it's a balancing act, right? You're, you're a junior in college. It's not like, you know, you're a grown man, but you're not like a grown man. Um, how do you balance all that out, right? right? Like, you're doing the best you can for school. You, you have a team to play for now, but you have this whole future ahead of you that that is aiming towards being in the major league, being a major league baseball player. Um, what's that kind of been like? That journey? Have you connected with any former guys that have done it, um, or guys that are still doing it? In Brad's case, um, just kind of sum up that that whole ride that you're on right now. Yeah, so it is really cool. But for me, it's kind of like the team and making a regional is on the forefront of my mind. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, because the rest of it will take care of itself and kind of talking to scouts and that stuff, that's what they tell me is like, don't worry about the outside noise in a sense. Kind of go be with your team, go win a regional, go win the conference tournament, like go do that stuff, and then the other stuff will just take care of itself. Um, but the experience kind of in Cape Cod kind of helped me get an understanding of what it's like to be, be a professional baseball player where it's like, 
my coach told me you have to be a first rounder off the field and on the field to be good at this game. Um, and that's kind of where I've taken a ton of pride in is like, take care of your schoolwork, take care of all the stuff off the field and the stuff on the field will just take care of itself because it's a game you've been playing forever now. Like there's no kind of premium on it this year. Like you just have to do what you do best. And it is, it's cool getting all that recognition and stuff, kind of understanding that, Yes, baseball is in the future, but my thing right now is, like, I want to win the conference tournament. You know, that's ha- that's something we haven't done in a little while. So that's something on the forefront of my mind is, like, I want to go to a regional because I've never been to one. I want to win the conference tournament because I've never won it. I want to do other things because I've never done it before. Um, that's kind of how I see it. And then the rest of it will just kind of take care of itself. People say that baseball players are the most superstitious, right, of, you know, especially you know, at the major league level. Do you have, take us through your pitching day routine, you know, when when you know it's a, you know, let's say it's a one o'clock start or, or whatever it is. What's, what's the Trey Dombrowski pitching routine day of a game? Yeah, so it's cool. I would say baseball is the most routine-oriented sport in my kind of mind. Um, but I do. I am superstitious to an extent, but I try not to let it get the best of me. Um but one thing I love to do is when I wake up the morning of a start, I like to go work out a little bit. I like to walk on the treadmill, just kind of get the blood moving so I sweat a little bit because um, that's what I've found has made me feel better during the game. Uh, and then after that, get something to eat, kind of just relax. Uh, one thing I have picked up was listening to music before my games. Uh, previously, I never really did that. I, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Uh, and then I picked it up. And it's been something that kind of gets me in the moment, kind of sets my mind right and gets me ready for the game. And then one thing I always have to get, and this is my probably my superstition, is a medium iced black coffee before the game. That's what I always get. Uh, that kind of lets me know, like, all right, it's go time. That's kind of what gets me in. So, but yeah. How hard is that to find on the road? See, it's either... I drink the hotel coffee, right. which is uh, it's a gamble. Yeah, some. I mean, this past weekend was very good. I'm okay. not going to complain about it. But Shout out to wherever you guys yeah. <laughs> keep the coffee coming. Yeah, but th- like you said, that's kind of the hard part. Sometimes is finding that. Um, but we always find a way. We always find a way. That's, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Dean, Coach E. Hall, and uh, the, the rest of the crew will find you a medium iced black coffee yeah. Yeah. the morning of your start. Yeah, but and. The cool thing is we're always around, like the hotel we stay at is always near something. It's always near a Dunkin' Donuts, a Starbucks, Wawa, something, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I used to be really, really, really superstitious as a kid. And then I kind of grew to the point where I was like, all right, I need to get out of this mentality because say, if I don't have that, what am I going to do? Um, so yeah, but I would say that's my one superstition is doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really cool because like you said, baseball is really routine oriented and that's what I feel like is unique about it is you, you do the same stuff week to week. Um, you lift the same days, you throw the same days, you do all the same stuff. So that's why it's really cool to me. What, uh, what's on the podcast? Well, what's on the, the, the ear AirPods? Gee, I'm having a rough morning this morning. Yeah. What, what, what's cranking when, when, when now that you've started this routine See, of music? It, it's kind of just like a, a mood type of thing. Whatever mood I'm in is going to dictate what type of music I'm listening to. Sometimes I'll go country. Sometimes I'll go rap. Uh, okay. And sometimes I'll go like dance music. Uh, whatever, whatever <laughs> I'm feeling that morning is kind of which way I go about it. But it's kind of like I just go on my phone, hit shuffle, and whatever comes on will get me going. Within the superstition within all the great stuff that we've been able to talk about. I I want you to take Greg and myself and our, and our listeners kind of outside of it a little bit. What's one thing, whether it's a hobby, a habit, what's one thing that, you know, just a fan of Mammoth isn't going to know about Trey Dombrowski that maybe is a little bit interesting or, or a little bit unique again, whether it's a hobby or, you know, something that, that you do in kind of your spare time, which I know isn't too, too frequently. Yeah. Um, One thing I really love to do is I love to cook. That's kind of what I like. Uh, people always ask me, oh, what's your best dish? And I want to say all of them. But uh, <laughs> What do you like to make yeah. the most? Uh, what I like to make most, I love to make ground beef, rice. It's kind of my go-to. Um, and then another thing I've taken up in the past year is talking to a sports psychologist is what's really unique about me. 
Uh, and that's kind of what I learned from the Cape is like more guys talk to sports psychologists than you know. And that's what kind of helped me take the next step is like the mental side of baseball is really important. And that's kind of what I like to do in my free time is work on that because you don't realize how big of a factor it is. Um, but yeah, definitely I would say those two things are really cool about me. And then another thing is I kind of like to explore in a sense, uh, Back home, I live in Manasquan. I got the beach, seven-minute bike ride for me. I got a bike path that's 10 miles long, and sometimes I'll be riding my bike down it, and I'll go to the end, and I'll be like, why did I just do that? I got to go all the way back now. <laughs> I'm like, this is terrible. But I guess you could say that's what's unique about me um, is I just like to have fun. I like to be loose, kind of even keel, happy-go-lucky, just having fun with life. Well, Trey, I know uh, I speak for Greg, I speak for everyone when I say we really appreciate your time. And, and I know it's so hard during the season, you know, the the time you have is so precious. We really appreciate the time and wish you the best of luck throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, no, thank you guys. It definitely means a lot and I'm looking forward to the season and it's going to be a ton of fun following along. It's going to be a ton of fun watching other sports succeed too. Like you said, basketball's both basketball teams are in a really good spot right now. It's going to be fun to see all the spring teams go at it and track one last night so it's or two nights ago so it's really cool um it's a great place to be and it's competitive so thank you guys i appreciate you letting me come on thanks trey yeah have a good one man thank good, you good good luck this weekend Wofford, a couple other teams it's gonna be another uh big time weekend of, of monmouth baseball as they get cranked up here in february yeah, action-packed weekend <laughs> Get to know, you know, Greg, the best part of this podcast is getting to know these athletes, these coaches beyond the uniform number. And I mean, we've known Trey for three years, but we learned more in the last 40 minutes than we knew the last three years. Yeah, it's easily like I said last week, it's the best best part of my week for the most part is, is doing this podcast because we get to a highlight a student athlete and, you know, Trey's going to be highlighted plenty, right? Like he's a stud. He's going to be one of our next pro athletes coming out of Monmouth, but just being able to sit down and talk with them and find out what's important to him and find out about that, you know, his experience up at the Cape and all that little stuff. It, it just really um, great interview, great couple minutes with, with a, a guy who's done nothing but all the right things since he's stepped on campus here. Yeah. And you hear about the things that brought him to Monmouth and it's so interesting whether you're someone who's just happy to be a college athlete or you're someone who has professional aspirations, you heard from him directly that he knew this was a place he could come and he could do that because there were athletes that came before him that did that and he's ready to kind of blaze his next path. I thought it was so interesting and, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch that baseball team play. They have a lot of talent on that squad. Yeah, definitely. And I could, I felt like we could have talked to him for another 25 minutes. Like I wanted to talk to him about playing for Coach E. Halt and, Maybe some of the guys who came before him, he, you know, he briefly mentioned, you know, Brad and, and Pat Light, but uh, really we try to try to limit to around forty minutes. And every time they walk out of my office and, and we're chatting, I'm like, man, I, I like, I had like seven other things to, to, to ask him. But well, it's a long baseball season. Uh, listen, we, we we we're doing this thing once a week. We're chugging along. We just passed one thousand downloads, which I think is pretty awesome. And in, in in nine episodes and um. We really appreciate everybody listening, that's for sure. Well, and we want you to continue to subscribe, rate, review, and also not only that and the great digital support, but let people know. And if you have someone who maybe wants to listen, but they, maybe they don't know how, you know, do what I did over the weekend. I had to show a couple relatives how to listen. And mm. you know what? That's fine. Um, Cause you're going to continue to get great content from the Mammoth coaches, from the Mammoth student athletes, from Greg and I. Uh, and it's a busy, busy week. It's a busy, busy time right now. Like Trey mentioned as well. Spring sports track and field championships, baseball, softball, basketball winding down. Greg, we have a whole lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time. It's crossover season. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week, but um, it's exciting, you know, to see all of our teams picked at or near the top of the MAC to watch, you know, uh, track just winning in the, the final indoor championship for the MAX. Uh, it's really a, a, a lot to be – excited about if you're a hawk fan and a hawk alumni 
um, leading right up to uh, the all-important giving days, which are a month away. Yeah, and you'll see a ton of great stuff on social about that, whether it's the department accounts, Greg and myself, and a lot of the administrators here will have information about that coming out as well. So make sure that you keep it right there, and obviously make sure that you continue listening to Hawk Talk and and supporting all the great things going on here with the athletics department at Monmouth. Uh, Greg, always fun. Another good one. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, definitely, Eddie. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you being on this ride with me. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.